630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, so round one of the playoffs will start tomorrow. Uh, I've had a lot of people text me, well, so the Oilers missed the playoffs again. Things were changed this year. The regular season was declared over, well, like almost three months ago. So the 24 teams who played are are all considered to have made the playoffs. So the Oilers, you know, who were 12th overall in terms of points percentage, the Penguins who were 7th, they get credit for making the playoffs, as do the teams who were lower down even if they hadn't won this series. The Rangers won the draft lottery, so that means the Oilers will pick 14th overall. The draft is still not until October 9th and 10th. Uh, Don says, hi, Reed. Oilers made great strides this year. However, I don't see where they can improve for next year. The goalies and the defense are suspect. If Connor or Leon have a drop-off, I think the team will be in trouble. Not much cap space. Well, I definitely think they could use higher caliber goaltending. And I thought Smith and Koskinen battled throughout the year um, and did what they could. But yeah, I mean, we just had a caller saying that most Stanley Cup contending teams have one or two stud defensemen. Most teams that win the Stanley Cup have a top-notch goaltender or or a goaltender who is maybe hasn't been top-notch throughout his career but is enjoying a, uh, uh, an incredible season or an incredible playoff. Just had a caller coming in as well saying that if that he thinks Leon Dreisaitl is uh is overpaid for a second line center and that maybe they could they could trade him for somebody. Uh this texture says I disagree with that caller. Every team wishes it had two players like our centers. Eight and a half million dollars was a bargain miracle looking back. If one gets hurt, you still have the other. And this texture also says, I feel sorry for Nugent Hopkins. He might be the Oilers' best all-around forward. All right. 780-496-0063. You can call or text. I am pleased to welcome back to the show a guy who knows all about the goaltending position, now with Sportsnet 650, where he's an analyst for the Vancouver Canucks. It's our buddy, Corey Hirsch. Oh, I think, and his dog making a cameo. Hey, Corey. (laughs) That's the neighbor's dog. Oh, <laughs> I'm outside. It's such a beautiful day here. I'm uh, I'm in Camels, BC right now. Actually, my old junior, uh, my old junior hockey town. So, oh, good man, good man. Yeah. Well, it, so you it, might hear uh, a dog or a car or something, but it's uh, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. There have been several dogs who have cameoed on this show over the years. Some much closer to the microphone or to the phone than uh, than that one. It, it was just funny. I could tell Kellen brought you in live, and it was like the dog knew. I got a bark now. I'm live in Edmonton. <laughs> uh, it's all good. The dog's next door. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> no, that's cool. We appreciate it. Well, th- thanks for checking in uh, tonight. Uh, I mean, how, how have things been for you uh, over just the last few months? First of all, through the through the pause. Hopefully, everybody's yeah. been happy and healthy in your world. It's been good. It's been good in the sense that you know we've just been kind of waiting for hockey to start, and hockey's done a fantastic job. I, I got to. You know, right off the top of the show, I have to give the city of Edmonton a lot of uh, credit and props and and what they've done and how they've helped the NHL. And just, it's, you know, they've done a, a fantastic job there. They really have of working with the NHL. And, uh, you know, it's kudos to the city and the people, right? You didn't get, you don't get to be, a, there's a reason they didn't, Vegas didn't get to be a hub because, you know, no one's social distance there and, and they had a bunch of cases, and, and the reason it's in Edmonton is because the people did a nice job. They followed the guidelines, and, you know, and they got NHL hockey, so it's fantastic. 
All right. Before we dive into your your tweet earlier today, and and I tweeted out, I, I retweeted you, and I think that's a good discussion. Let's talk about a couple of series first. I I I, I mean, I know we're all busy at this time of year. I watched bits and pieces of all series, uh, but obviously I watched every Oilers game. I got to see quite a bit of the Canucks in Vancouver. Uh, any any impressions on the Oilers and and them being unable to get past the Hawks, Corey? Well, you know what? My the only impression that I have on the Oilers is that I I. I I'm disappointed that Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and the Oilers aren't in. We all want to, we all want to see that, right? Like as a, as a hockey person, as a fan, I, I want to see that. I want to see Connor McDavid and uh, you know in the playoffs. So that that's a bit disappointing. My my take is is that on that whole situation is, is if you look at the Vancouver Canucks, everything changed for them when they got Quinn Hughes. So you you need a high end defenseman. Like I, I like Edmonton's defense. They're 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 good guys. They're warriors. But you need a really high-end defenseman. Uh, and Edmonton hasn't had that for a while. So until they get that, you know, I look at Toronto, it's the same thing. You know, everyone's scratching their head. You've got all these great forwards. But until you get that high-end defenseman that can get you out of trouble in your own zone or play 30 minutes a night that and can, and can get you an assist or a goal when you need it for the forwards, um, you know, it's it's tough to make any ground in the NHL. And you look at all the teams that have won historically, uh, you know, L.A. had Drew Doughty. Detroit had Lidstrom. Uh, you know, Colorado got Bray Bork in one year. Like, it, it, Niedermeyer, Pronger, like, the list goes on and on. You need to have to have one of those high-end defensemen if you want to have a successful team. Yeah, and I love how you put that about the Oilers. Like, I, I covered Oilers teams where I would look at the roster at the end of the year and I'd be like, four of those six guys shouldn't even be in the NHL. I mean, I think they, they have NHL players, but... yeah. You know, what if Oscar Clefbaum's your second-best defenseman? Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, that's a pretty good top yeah. pairing, right? I don't know if Philip Broberg is going to be that guy for the Oilers, but I love how you put that, and I, I don't know how much you got to see Ethan Bear this year, and I'm not saying Ethan's oh, going to... Ethan Bear, yeah. But, but I'm not saying he's going to turn out to be a top-caliber guy, but why is he good? He goes back, he gets the puck, and he quickly yeah. gets it on somebody's stick, and he doesn't have to waste time defending, right? It's going the other way. Exactly. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Ethan Bear. Um, you know, when, as a goalie, it, it helps you out so much too, right? I mean, because it's like you just give the guy a puck and, it, and it's out of your zone. And then as a forward, there's nothing more frustrating than than a defense core that can't get you the puck, right? Right. So you got to go do it yourself. You're standing there and, and you're waiting for the puck. But I'm not saying that Edmonton's defensemen aren't, aren't good players. They're, they've got a lot. Like, I'm a big fan of Nurse and, and a lot of those guys in Clefbaum. It's just they're not at that Paul Coffey level, right? Like, I mean, they always had Paul Coffey for all those years and just remember him grabbing the puck and just getting the team out of trouble himself. Uh, that's that's what is the difference in the NHL between championship teams. You know, you can go get all the forwards you want, pay them all the money you want. Um, unless you have a high-end defenseman, it's, it's tough to win in the National Hockey League. Vancouver, Minnesota, Canucks move on uh, with a very short uh, overtime victory. Well, the overtime was short uh, to finish it off in Game 4. I didn't expect a lot of goals in that series. I guess they got up to 5-4 in uh, in that game, but the the other games were 3-0, 4-3, and 3-0. And you know, I, I Minnesota hung around, but what put Vancouver over the top, Corey? Uh, you know what? I think what, what ended up putting Vancouver over the top was Quinn Hughes, right? He had, uh, and I hate to keep going back to it, but I think he had, I think he had a goal and four assists in in, in the last two games. I think he was uh, uh, one and two in, in in one of the games, and then he was one and one in another, or something like that. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but 
you know, he was he was dynamite. He played almost uh, 30 minutes for one night. Um, and then Jacob Markstrom was not playing very well. The goaltending was, wasn't good. And Jacob Markstrom is usually money, but his team kind of bailed him out of it, which is great because he, that team would not be in the playoffs in the position they're in if not for Jacob Markstrom. He's been that good this year. So I was glad to see them, you know, win the game and win a series for him. Um, hopefully he'll be better against St. Louis. Corey Hirsch joining us tonight at Inside Sports from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, talking a little bit about the NHL playoffs. And and you mentioned um, that that you think you would like to see. Well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Do you, like, do you want to go with 24 teams every year, or what? What's your preference here? <laughs> no, 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 no. That that tweet. That's a, that's a problem with Twitter, right? You only got so many characters. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't say I wouldn't want to see 24 teams. That's too many teams. But yeah. I, I, I would like to see some form of a play-in, like a 7, 8, 9, 10 for that last wild-card spot. Um, you know, whether that's a, a, a five-game series probably isn't realistic, right? I mean, that's that's going to take too much time. Other teams are going to be like, well, we're sitting here waiting. Uh, you know, a one-game play-in or a three-game series, why not? I, I, I like that. You're going to have 32 teams, so 12 will get knocked out, and then you'll have 20 teams where – yeah, you know, eight of them are, are 12 are in, and then uh, eight of them are playing for that wild card spot. Uh, baseball's done a great job with it, right? They've created a game seven type feeling. And I think it'd be just, I think it'd be really great for the league. Like, it's, it builds, people watch that, like, builds momentum. But yeah, 24 teams is too many. You're not be able to do that or, or, or this. But, but some form of play in, I think, would be a great, a great idea for the NHL. And usually the difference between the seventh place team and the 10th place team is like a point. Or a, or a yeah. win in a shootout, right? Like, so you have teams that won two more shootouts that are getting in over over a tenth place team, right? So it's like, I, I create a game seven, create a game seven atmosphere to get in the playoffs. I I, I, I think it's fantastic. You know, I, I've, I I'm glad you said twenty and not twenty four. I do think, yeah. I, but I I'd be fine. And if you want the division races to really mean something, then top three in each division and the next four in each conference. I, I I'm with you. Play down seven to ten best of one best of three and here's another thing Corey, that allows the teams that clinched an extra day of rest right maybe yeah. you do those if it's a best of three maybe you do it monday wednesday thursday start the next round on saturday i mean who what athlete wouldn't like uh, you know an extra couple of days without a game going into the postseason while the team he's going to be playing is playing its brains out to try to stay alive Exactly. Just gives you gives those teams a little bit of reward that they get a little bit extra rest, right? You got some guys at the end of the year that are banged up, that sore groins, or or you just need a few extra days on a guy to to get them healthy. I I think it would be I think it'd be great for the I, I, great for everybody and for the league. And I think those teams would love that. They even the guys sitting out would love to see those plans, right? It would be. I, I know as a former player, I, I'd love to see it. I'd, game seven type atmosphere to get into the playoffs between between a few teams i think it'd be really cool for the league um and then you know what if you don't get in it's your own fault right you should have been better during the year right (laughs) good point okay (laughs) let's let's walk back to uh your playoff experience in 1996 with the uh, vancouver canucks uh you had to take on the colorado avalanche in the first round two two pardon me two two after two after pardon me, two two after four games, uh, overtime loss in game five, and then they they finish you guys off in game six. Obviously, a, a pretty good Avalanche team this season that, that that year. Yeah, it was the Joe Sackick show. I think he had seven goals in like right. six games, something ridiculous. But if I recall, we were up four three 
or or four two or something or, or three two. The score we were up by one or two, anyways, in that game uh, game five, and then we 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 took uh, two penalties and got down five on three, and Colorado scored, tied it up, and then scored in overtime. And I think we we're only like five or six minutes away from from winning game five. But uh, the cool thing that I remember about that, and now that I'm older today, is is that I sit there and I and I I got to play against Patrick Wall in the playoffs. <laughs> Right? And I got a I got a couple wins against them, which is which is pretty cool. Like they, I I consider him a top three goalie of all time. Um, so that, that's kind of neat. And that team ended up going on and we took to win the cup. But I, when I look back, we were a little thin on defense uh, up front. We had guy we had McGillney. Uh, we were missing Pavel at that time. I think he tore his ACL that year or something. But uh, that McGillney was a pretty special player. Did you ever get to know Waugh at all? I mean, he has sort of there. Yeah, not, yeah. yeah not, didn't really get, don't really get to know him. But if I saw him, we, I, you know, I'd be like, hey, how are you doing? You know, but I don't think we'd be going over to anybody's house for dinner anytime <laughs> soon. But I, I got to, you know, like I've seen him a few times since then. We've had some small chats. He was a coach in uh, Quebec when I was with Hockey Canada, uh, the OHL. And so I had a couple chats with him there. And, you know, he seemed like a pretty good guy. I, I don't know him any other than that. But, um, yeah, it's just it's, it's pretty cool to be able to say that I got to play against him in a playoff series, right? Well, arguably, probably the the best playoff goalie, uh, you know, in history. One of them, anyways. How much, if at all, did you think about the other goaltender when you were in the NHL? You know what? Yeah, I always tried to challenge myself against the other guy. But if you got into watching the other goalie too much, it could affect your own game, right? So, you know, because you can't control whether or not your team can score. So your team gets 40 shots on a goalie in the other end, um, and he's standing on his head. It can actually play the other way on you. So you got to be a little bit careful of that. Uh, but you know, I will say my first ever NHL exhibition game was against Grant Fuhrer in Toronto uh, when he was with the Leafs, and that was I was in awe of that. I'll, I will never forget that because I watched Grant Fuhrer growing up. I'm from Calgary. Uh, I watched the Battle of Alberta religiously, and to be able to stand in the other end against Grant Fuhr was just a, a surreal moment. It was so cool. That's that's uh, that's awesome. That's a great story. Okay, well, I guess I should ask you one more about the Canucks before I let you go. Uh, keys against St. Louis, defending champs. They can get in there and pound you. What's that, against St. Louis? Yeah. yeah. You know what? I think the Canucks' best chance is to keep St. Louis sleeping and and, and kind of let them – feel like they don't want to be in a bubble that they don't want to go through the grind again right you might you might be able to get a little mental advantage there because they know how long the grind is and now they got to do it well in a bubble right whereas the Canucks are young enough to not realize what's in front of them so I think if this series has a chance I think it's going to be trying to keep St. Louis a little disinterested right and keep keep them sleeping like you know you don't want to poke the bear in this in a series like this you just kind of want to slowly go through it and 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 you know obviously you know try and try and wear down their d or whatever but you know it's you don't need to get into the fights you don't need to get into the dirty stuff like like don't give them any motivation because they can do it to beat you and just try to keep them sleeping that'd be my guess Corey, you're always uh, so good to come on the show i love chatting with you wish we had more time so we'll have to try and connect again later on in the playoffs man i really appreciate it and uh, enjoy your visit with the neighbor's dog this evening uh, <laughs> will do thanks man anytime you know that Excellent stuff. That is Corey Hurst. Check it in from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. So good perspective there on the Edmonton series and on the, the Canucks. And now they're going to be going up against the St. Louis Blues. Of course, the next round of the NHL playoffs starts tomorrow. Now all the series are best of seven. It's 721 Inside Sports on Chet.
Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Good chat with Corey Hirsch. Good chat with a lot of you in the first hour. Appreciate all your texts and phone calls as we reflected on the Oilers season and got your opinions on why they came up short against the Chicago Blackhawks. And I'm sure we will keep discussing that. I want to remind you about our 630 Ched Kids Jersey a Day giveaway sponsored by Mr. Mike's Steakhouse Casual. They're the official restaurant sponsor of Inside Sports. All week long, we're giving you your chance to win your kid an Oilers jersey from United Cycle. You just have to be listening to Inside Sports and enter the code word on the contest page on 630Ched.com. Today's code word is Leon Dreisaitl. And don't forget to tune in again tomorrow for another chance to win. Contest page, 630Ched.com. Code word, Leon Dreisaitl. Jordan Baker from the champion Edmonton Stingers when we get back. Tomorrow, here's what's going on in the NHL as the first round of the playoff starts. The Blue Jackets will play the Lightning rematch of the surprising sweep by the Blue Jackets last year. That one starts at 1 o'clock Mountain Time. At 3.30 at Rogers Place, it's Game 1, the Flames and the Stars. Hurricanes play the Bruins at 6 o'clock. And then at 8.30 at Rogers Place, the late game, it is Chicago going up against the Vegas Golden Knights. First game for the Canadians is Wednesday at 6 against the Flyers. The Canucks will open up at 8.30 on Wednesday against the Blues. going to be fun. It would be more fun if the Oilers were in it. But onward we go. The Rangers won the draft lottery, so the Oilers will have the 14th overall pick. The draft is not until October 9th and 10th. And uh, Ken Holland, general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, is uh, going to speak tomorrow. So we'll have some of his reaction on Inside Sports tomorrow night. Really appreciate you tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins, and I am pleased to be joined by a young man who I've been uh, interviewing for, uh, well, about a decade now. And he just helped the Edmonton Stingers win the CEBL championship. It is Jordan Baker. Jordan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Reed? I'm doing excellent. Congratulations on the title, buddy. How does it feel? Uh, it feels great being able to bring a, a championship back to Edmonton in times where it seems like it wasn't going to be sports for a long time. Tell me a little bit about the, the season as, as it was. I mean, last year you guys played 20 games and then had a, had a tournament. This year you just had a tournament, though you had to play every team at least once and you had to earn your way into those semifinals and then the final. How did you find it? Um, a lot of games and not very many days. Uh, we had two back-to-backs. Um, in the round robin portion of the tournament, um, and we managed to, to finish first, which gave us a little bit of a, a buy and a, a few days off to help recover. And then we had a back to back in the semis and the finals. So um, a lot of basketball and not too many days. All right. How about life in the bubble in St. Catharines? I mean, obviously, we got one here in Edmonton for the National Hockey League. How was it there? Tell me some of the rules and restrictions you guys had. 
Um, definitely not as strict as uh, what's set up in Edmonton, to my understanding. Um, phase three in Ontario started essentially right as we arrived there. Uh, so we just had to follow the guidelines set out by the provincial government. Um, so we're wearing masks everywhere. We're not dining in anywhere. It's just take out and skip the dishes. And, you know, we're staying in the hotel and no one else is able to come into the hotel except for those with credentials. So um, we kept it pretty close. I know our team uh, definitely didn't want to risk anything uh, safety-wise. So we, we stayed in the hotel. Um, you know, the, the venue was a quick bus ride away. And our practice venue and our weight room was just uh, essentially connected to the hotel. So not too much uh, interaction with anybody outside of uh, those in the bubble. Or did you guys get tested regularly or, or at all? Um, there was a few tests that we did, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good. Everybody was uh, was safe and everybody made it through the tournament. Now, tell me a, a little bit about the, the, the title game. I, I mean, look, the score was heavily in your favor 90 73 i don't think you ever expect to play a championship game that turns out to be that lopsided what were the keys to getting it rolling yesterday um well you know for us uh, the key always starts on the defensive end um we came out the gate firing um but we knew you know it's a championship game there's going to be ups and downs it's going to be a game of run. so uh we just wanted to try to stay the course stick to our concepts stick to our principles um, it was tight, you know, through the third quarter. Um, and then luckily Xavier Moon decided to go bananas and hit a bunch of shots and uh, the lead out a little bit in the fourth. And, you know, defensively we stayed true to our principles and were able to to stretch that lead out to, to you know, double figures and then into the high teens. How did you find it playing without any spectators, Jordan? Definitely a little weird. Um, they had kind of rotating DJs coming through the arena, so... Um, playing music throughout, so which helped with kind of the awkward silences during free throws and things like that. Um, definitely difficult when there's no crowd to feed off of or crowd to silence, but, um, you know, you got used to it after a couple games and you just rely on your teammates on the bench to, to bring energy in the arena. Jordan Baker from the Edmonton Stingers joining us. They won the Canadian Elite Basketball League title yesterday in St. Catharines, beating Fraser Valley 90-73. A new, well, it's not new, but I think maybe it's new to a lot of Canadian basketball fans. The 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 Elam ending. So the way that works is the first stoppage after four minutes remaining in the fourth quarter, they take the score of the team in the lead and add on nine points, and that becomes the target score. So you guys hit eighty-one, so you had to get to ninety, and because of your large lead, you were able to do that. How did you like playing under those? circumstances with with the clock shut off you're just shooting for a target score uh, it's definitely a lot different um strategically there's not much that changes from a you know a coaching perspective and a playing perspective there's no um pressuring to try to trap and turn the team over there's no kind of milking the clock it's you know you're just playing your style of basketball and so you know there's a few elam endings where you know we got out in transition and got some easy ones because you know the other team wasn't expecting that late in the game you know like you just gotta continue to play and continue to execute and not have to worry about the the time is a little bit of a, a different concept but i mean obviously it worked out in our favor well I, I liked it jordan because there was the the late it takes the late game fouling out of it it keeps the flow going mm -hmm. yeah i mean there's no late game fouling there's no uh string of time at the end of the game either you know it keeps the fans engaged 
the difficult thing is when you know there's a, a couple of lopsided games where you know you can't exactly rest some of your guys that have put you in that position um you've got to keep them in the game to make sure that you hit that elon target score um which is a little bit difficult and i know coaches probably would love to get guys out after they've grown a, a 20 point lead and there's only four minutes left but um you got to keep the foot on the gas and and finish teams off or else uh, things get interesting pretty quick jordan uh uh, recently on your Instagram uh, account, you posted a picture of yourself in a bathtub holding a bag of Wendy's and a drink from Wendy's. What is the story behind that? Um, so in one of the post-game interviews on the CBC Gem stream, the sideline reporter asked, because there was a quick turnaround on a back-to-back, uh, and asked what I was going to do for recovery, uh, and I said, grab an ice bath in Wendy's. And... You know me, I'm a man of my word, so I had to come through and prove that I did what I said I was going to do. So I threw that up on social media, and everyone seems to think I just love Wendy's now, even though it was the only thing open after the game. So, um, you know, on CBC, after we won the finals, the two questions I got both had to do with Wendy's. Um, So it's kind of been a little bit of a sideshow piece of the tournament but i mean it's fine uh i'll eat a baconator as long as it's free <laughs> because you uh like you're a very fit guy i i i was very surprised I, I would assume you don't eat a lot of uh that variety of food uh no i love fast food um, really yeah uh you'll find me at a burger joint or a fast food place uh, more often than not but um, it just means you got to spend a couple extra hours in the gym every day but what i like doing probably not what you wanted to hear but it is the reality unfortunately well no i, I want to hear the reality and it goes against everything i know about you and your your level of commitment to fitness that you would put that into your body as regularly as you do i'm, I'm still learning things about you jordan that's that's amazing because is, is it not true you have you do not drink uh like you don't have a sip of beer a sip of wine like anything ever is that true yeah, I mean, I had a little bit of champagne after we won on Sunday um, in the locker room, but uh, yeah, I don't drink other than that. Um, I replace it with uh, Coke usually, so that usually uh, that gets the calorie count up nice and fast. <laughs> All right, uh, what what's next for you here uh, in the next few weeks before we hit September? Um, not too much. Um, working on figuring out what the Golden Bears season looks like with our um not with us not participating in um the canada west this year so i remember that coaching staff trying to figure out uh, what the point is moving forward what can we get guys doing um so that you know come fall of 2021 we're ready to compete for a national championship all right well jordan always a pleasure to have you on the show uh, i enjoy following your your career and obviously like you said you're doing some coaching as well and congratulations on winning the championship i really enjoyed seeing you guys win it yesterday i think that's a great league and a really exciting fast-paced caliber of basketball as well so good for the stingers and thank you so much for coming on the show yeah thanks Reed. it's always great to be on and hopefully um you know edmonton uh, can watch some basketball in summer of 2021
Right on. Good stuff. That is Jordan Baker checking in tonight on Inside Sports. Uh, certainly one of the greatest players in any sport in the history of the University of Alberta. A five-year starter for the Golden Bears basketball team. Did miss about a, a half of a year with a back injury along the way, but just an outstanding player, hardworking player. I, he's in incredible shape, just, just a super fit guy. As you mentioned, very rare for him to have even a sip of alcohol. He allowed himself some champagne after the victory yesterday and I, I but I am surprised that he is that into fast food given how uh given his fitness level but like he said you got to just spend a couple extra hours in the gym to burn it off and there's no doubt Jordan does that good for the Edmonton Stingers good for that league you know they they had to figure it out figure out a way to to get it in they they set up a bubble in St. Catharines Ontario as Jordan described not as strict not as large as the bubble here in Edmonton for the National Hockey League but they they kept everybody safe and they got the tournament in it was a seven team tournament so they played a round robin six teams made the the playoffs with the top two teams getting a buy into the semifinal the stingers had one of those buys won their semi and then won fraser valley uh, defeated fraser valley 90 73 in the championship game to take it all right it is quarter to eight seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the number to reach me you can either call or text we're back after the break on inside sports tuning in tonight including this texter who says you are dumb calgary is in your city and you don't talk about them i think he means the flames kellen not the entire city of calgary <laughs> what do you think are you there buddy i am kellen's not, gone yeah, kellen no, left i'm here kellen's so disgusted with inside <laughs> sports i'll just play the commercials and then i walk out of the room i just gotta blare the uh Def Leppard playlist on YouTube over and over again. <laughs> just leave. No, just kidding. Uh, you know what? Um, isn't Calgary like just size-wise slightly larger than Edmonton, just over geographic acres? I think or something. Oh, I don't know. Probably. I, I think I, Calgary yeah. and Edmonton are two of the largest cities. They might be the largest cities in Canada just by actual size, not yeah. population, because they're quite quite spread out. Anyway. 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 Uh, 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. Uh, this texture says the Oilers had one goal the entire season to make the playoffs and they reached their goal. Perhaps they need to set a new goal of winning the Stanley Cup. You bring about what you think about. Well, I don't know about that. My mom's been thinking of winning the lottery for about four years and it hasn't happened. <laughs> Uh, Bruce says, honestly, Reed, I believe it was a mental thing the Oilers had to overcome. I truly believe that they'd already been beaten in their own minds and gave Chicago way too much credit than they deserved. It was like they were waiting for Chicago to just beat them instead of saying right off the bat, we're going to take it to them and we're going to show you why we are here. The Big L. Love the Big L. Reed, been listening to a lot of post-bounce comments since last Friday. And I've heard so much talk about keeping certain lines together. Why didn't this forward play with McDavid? The defense is subpar, all that kind of stuff. Frankly, if the Oilers had got two to three more key saves, and more importantly, had they played like they did in the last half of game four, 
from the puck drop in game one, they likely would have won the series three games to one. If Tippett's at fault for anything, it was failure to get this team up in terms of intensity. It's becoming an Oilers perennial problem. Yeah, well, that's the age-old debate, right? How, what, what is the coach's job in, in preparing the players? Uh, I, I, I think the coach has to prepare them tactically and prepare them in terms of knowing what the other team is doing. I, I think in terms of a player being prepared emotionally and, and all those types of things, I think that's up to the individual player. Yeah, I mean, fair comment about two to three more saves. Ultimately, it, it was not a well-goaltended series until Corey Crawford took game four. And, and you wonder if one of the two Oilers goaltenders had just been a little bit better in one of the first three games, if maybe it's at least going to a game five. Colton says, is this the, the Colton that's going to hire me as a farmhand? I think that's the guy. Is, does the offer still stand, Colton? <laughs> I, I won't have any Oilers games to host until November or December. Uh, Colton says, Reed, I recently purchased a game-used Zach Cassian hockey stick on NHL auctions a couple of weeks ago. I was so disgusted with his performance Friday night, I just about gave the stick away. He says just about. He did not actually give the stick away, but he considered it. Cassian didn't have uh, have a huge impact. No, he did not. Uh, you know, I thought Clefbaum didn't play up to his potential. Uh, Nurse the last couple of games especially struggled. And then, you know, again, there's a lot to discuss here with the Oilers. And they were 12th overall in the regular season. They probably would have finished right in that neighborhood had we got to 82 games. So, and that's in terms of points percentage. So they they are a second-tier team. They they were a second-tier team throughout much of the regular season. I I think that that's fair. I think against Chicago, and we talked about this off the top of the show a little bit about, about the disappointment that the Oilers have some definite strengths and they have some definite weaknesses. In the four games against Chicago, we saw all of the weaknesses and few of the strengths. And, and that's what's frustrating, I think, is that, you know, I've, I've heard from some people who have just felt like texting tonight, talking to, to friends and family and, and people over the weekend that there was just something there. Like, like I said earlier, they, they leave that series. The season ends with still some, some gas in the tank. And that's, uh, that's pretty frustrating. Trent says, I think the Oilers should take more penalties next time they make the playoffs. Yeah, Trent, that didn't help. Did it? That didn't help at all. Especially what was the really bad game game. Uh, well, game two and three, they, they took a lot of penalties in both games in game two. They killed them off and then were able to win, and uh, then in Game 3, it just took most of their momentum away. Taves get, did, did, uh, did get that goal with a 5-on-3 late in the second period, but, yeah, that really messed up the the lines out there and, and trying to roll and get some rhythm and get players involved in the game. So, yeah, that's a fair – again, just a bunch of little details that you need to do to win games that – we're looking back on and saying the Oilers didn't do quite well enough. Blocking shots, getting a big save, uh, getting a, you know not taking penalties, getting a kill at the right time, getting a power play goal at the right time. Number one power play in the league, power play in the third period, in um, in uh, game four, and and we're able to do it. So yeah, definitely a bunch of little things like that. I, I certainly hear it. Uh, we got Eric texting into the show sorry just reloading this here 
Eric says, I watched some other hockey games. It was clear the Oilers and the Hawks were not at the level of some other teams. I think the comment Tippett made about overachieving in the regular season and uh, underachieving in the playoffs is spot on. That is from uh, Eric, 780-496-0063. This texter says, I usually don't get too upset when my favorite team loses, but what bothers me about the Oilers is not that they lost, but how they lost. I know they were going to get beaten probably pretty badly if they made it to the next round, but I didn't see anyone at maximum effort against the Hawks. And a yellowhead drinker says, so frustrating as a fan for all the perceived advantages they had going in, not a single one of them ended up holding. Even the goaltending, Crawford mostly sucked, but he came up big when he needed, out-goaltended, out-coached. Their poor defense outplayed the Oilers' poor defense on and on. 780-496-0063. Uh, Thunder says Dreisaitl might score goals, but he handles the puck like Lucic. Hits the blue line and then tries a low percentage pass or has the puck taken away. Uh, I wouldn't agree with that assessment of Dreisaitl's puck handling skills. But hey, I'm not a scout. Back tomorrow at 6 o'clock, we'll have some comments from Ken Holland. He has his media availability tomorrow. Bob Stoffer has orders now from noon to 2. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the show's producer. Kellen Kennedy, studio producer. My name's Reed. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.